Welcome to the Maternal Health Innovation Podcast Season 2. I'm your host, Dietrich Apps, CEO and founder of Race for Equity, where we advocate for equity to play a central role in the work of every organization, agency, institution, and system dedicated to improving the quality of life of the populations they serve. This podcast is created by the Maternal Health Learning and Innovation Center. Episodes are released weekly, so be sure that you're subscribed. On this podcast, we listen to maternal health innovators about ways we can implement change to improve maternal health in the U.S. On this episode, we'll be discussing the AIM CCI's Maternal Monologues Framework and the importance of community storytelling in understanding and advocating for change in maternal health. I'm joined by Dr. Valerie Newsom-Garcia, Community Transformation Strategist for the National Healthy Start Association at the Alliance for Innovation on Maternal Health, Community Care Initiative, or AIM-CCI. She has held faculty appointments for the NYU School of Medicine, Morehouse School of Medicine, Brooklyn College, and was selected as a JPB Environmental Health Fellow at Harvard University's T.H. Chan School of Public Health. Valerie is focused on addressing the social, environmental, and structural determinants of health in underserved communities. Thanks for joining me, Dr. Garcia. Thanks so much for having me. Please call me Valerie. (laughs) Sure thing. First, Valerie, let's get to know you. Could you share a little bit about why you, about yourself, and why your work is so important to you? Thanks, Dietrich. So um, I've worked in the public health field for a little over 15 years, primarily doing work that addresses the social determinants of health. Um, I've worked in the HIV AIDS space, um, other chronic diseases, but the maternal health crisis became um, something a little more close to my heart. And I wanted to direct more of my my work towards that specifically uh, because I've had too many friends actually to name that have been affected by this maternal health crisis. And then when I had my own daughter in 2019, I actually had a near miss event. And so it was really important to me to bring more of my my work life into balance with my personal uh, passion as well to address this this crisis. So so that's how I ended up with National Healthy Start Association and the ACCI project. Thank you so much for sharing just the personal your personal experience uh, with maternal health and a little bit of background on why you're now connected to this important work. What is a maternal monologue? So maternal monologues is a storytelling. Um, It's an opportunity for anyone who has a story along the maternal health journey to talk about what they've experienced. And that's not exclusive to mothers and birthing persons, fathers and partners, birth workers, OBs, anyone who is in this space, um, community workers can talk about things that they've experienced that are related to maternal health. Um, And I think oftentimes when we hear maternal health now, especially in light of this crisis, we think about negative outcomes and and a lot of the, the bad things that people encounter or experience. But maternal monologues is a space also for those stories of of joy and um, what it looks like when things go really well. Um, And so in telling these stories, we are elevating what is happening in terms of the crisis, but also igniting a little bit of hope as well in terms of what it could look like uh, when all things are, are as they should be. So that's the first part of maternal monologues is sharing the stories. And then the second part is then 
coming together to talk about, all right, now that you've heard these stories as a community, what do we want to do about it? And that's really, to me, one of the most unique things about Maternal Monologues is it gives an opportunity for individuals to take a look at the national maternal health crisis and talk about what it looks like in their own local communities, right? So these are community conversations. So what are you experiencing in this space? And it, it really personalizes the, the crisis and it gives people a space to, to mobilize and do something about it. So that's the second piece of maternal monologues is that talking about what can we do as a community to address what we've been hearing. And how did the idea for maternal monologues develop? So actually, um, the program manager for AIMCCI, uh, her sister came to her because she was hearing more in the news about what's happening in terms of the maternal health crisis. And she had her own experience many years ago when she was having her own child. And so when she heard about the, the crisis that is going on, she was actually startled because she wasn't aware that this was a widespread experience across our country. She was thinking that her experience years ago was kind of this one-off. Um, and so she wanted to raise more awareness in her own community about it. And so she, she came to our program manager and asked her, how can I how can I start this conversation? I think she was thinking about doing something at her church and she just wanted some guidance for how to start the conversation to raise awareness. And so that gave us the idea of creating a tool that communities can pick up and use to bring awareness to the maternal health crisis in their community. But like I said, also then talking about what do we want to do about it? So we developed this toolkit to guide someone Anyone, like I said, it doesn't have to be an organization. It can be just one individual who picks this toolkit up uh, to pull together people to have this discussion, to tell their stories, and then and then move to action. It's so important. I love what you're saying about storytelling, and you know, storytelling, as you well know, is so such an important part of our experience as human beings, right? And what I know about um, storytelling is that oftentimes the stories that are are told are are unique to that individual's experience or maybe even their the group of people that they associate with it's similar to that group but might be very different from another group of people from the cultural background that they're from and so as as individuals are telling their stories i know that it's an opportunity for uh, what you're sharing with with maternal monologues these stories are an opportunity for people to learn about the lives of people they might not be familiar with. And so much insight can be gained from that. Storytelling is, as I think about what you're sharing also, I think about storytelling, just the rich history of storytelling with communities of color, indigenous communities, where the oral story is oftentimes usually more critical and, and shared more than written stories. And so just this this balance that you're bringing to the work of having uh, the stories and the experience of people within maternal health uh, and who are so associated with maternal health, that's just critically important. I know also that it can be used for qualitative data. So <laughs> there's so many rich, just based upon what you've shared so far, there's so many rich opportunities that are in place that can grow from these maternal monologues. Who are the people that you expect to tell the stories? Yeah, Dietrich. Um, so I just, for a moment, if I could just circle back to the point that you made a moment ago about the importance of stories in um, certain cultural communities. And um, I think about that and how a story lands in a way that numbers don't. 
right? Like we can be startled by the numbers that we see see in these statistical reports, but it can be easy to say, oh, well, we don't know what happened there, right? Like it could have been all these other factors that lead that led to these outcomes, right? But when you hear the story, you get the fullness of it and the stories stick with you more than the numbers do. And so I think that to your point, the telling of the story helps you to identify with a person in their story in a way that you may not have just because they don't look like you or have the same background um, as you. But there are certain things that are um, points of commonality, regardless of race and class and all those things. And and having a baby is, is one of those things where even if you are not of the same race or background as an individual, when you hear something that triggers a memory for you that's similar in terms of that experience of um, that major milestone in life, that major life event, it lands in a way that that pushes you to to feel it, to care about it, and want to do something about it. Um, if there's an instance like we're we're experiencing in this country with these stark numbers and disparities and outcomes for women, that's part of the reason that we wanted to to have the storytelling because we want it to be accessible, right? So like the written form in um, in journals and even sometimes in, in newspapers like that that's not always accessible to people, right? But a story in a community is. So we wanted to put this out in a way that's easier for someone to hear and digest and, and feel. And then, like I said, to, to move to action. So thank you for making that point about how powerful a story can be. And so to answer your question about who can tell these stories, it's really anyone. And so maternal monologues uh, is not exclusive to a mother, a birthing person. So their partners um, can tell a story, their birth workers, their their OBs, their breastfeeding consultant, mothers of mothers, right? Um, anyone who is connected to a story about maternal health can tell that story. And another thing that I should mention is it doesn't necessarily have to be your story that you're sharing, right? So for instance, I could have a story that for whatever reason I'm not able to tell or not comfortable sharing, but I could have someone give a monologue on my behalf, right? Um, So it's really broad in terms of accessibility, again, where these stories can get out there through different means. So, So yes, really anyone can can share a maternal monologue. Thank you so much, uh, Valerie, for sharing that, because we do know um, with the broad group of people that you're opening up these maternal monologues to, we know that tragically, people who are pregnant and giving birth and are African-American or Black are three to four times more likely to die in, in during this process. And so oftentimes, the story is being told by someone who's lost a family member. And it's really, um, it's heartening to know that you're allowing space for people who may have experienced tragic loss to tell that story. And it's also can be healing for that person to be able to share that story of that loved one who has been lost. Um, And also, I'm wondering about a little bit about people that might tell stories of joy. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for for making that point as well, Dietrich. So, I think that people tend to first think about those stories of tragedy when we're we're talking about storytelling for maternal health, because those are the stories that, again, 
tend to have a little more gravity to them um, and, and make people pay attention and feel and, and, and activate to want to do something. But I think that particularly for communities of color, it's really important to also infuse some joy into the storytelling when we're talking about uh, maternal health, because I can say personally, there have been many times where I've been a part of community conversations about maternal health and have heard these stories and left feeling scared and also really hopeless because it seems like you can do everything that you're supposed to do, quote unquote, and still end up having these negative outcomes. And so that can be a really scary place. We don't want people to be paralyzed in fear. We want to mobilize them with joy as well. Right. And so I think that it's important to have a bit of balance. So part of the guidance in the maternal monologues toolkit is please try to infuse at least one story that is joyful with a good outcome because it's useful to have a picture of what it can look like when things go right, right? Um, so that is something that we add there for those reasons, because we don't want people to be scared. We want to infuse some black and brown joy into the conversation because motherhood, um, parenthood, the journey to that is a really joyful thing. It's supposed to be a really joyful thing. And for a number of reasons, it doesn't always end up that way, particularly in the United States, because of all the things that we know need to be addressed with regard to maternal health. But in the meantime, people continue to have babies, right? And so we want to elevate those stories as well as a guidepost as we talk about how to get there. Thank you. And what happens after the stories are shared? So in Maternal Monologues Toolkit, uh, part of the guidance that we give is after the stories have been shared, that there should be what we call a breath break, where people just kind of take a moment to sit and breathe and digest what they've heard. Think about how that feels in their bodies. Think about how that feels in their spirit, right? And then talk about, okay, so now that we know what's happening, now that we've heard these stories about what people are experiencing in our community, what do we want to do about it? And so there's a discussion guide in the Maternal Monologues Toolkit so that the, the moderator or facilitator can guide the audience then through that conversation. And so I also want to point out that maternal monologues can be done virtually or in person. So your audience could be um, on a computer screen or in the same room, but this conversation can be had in either of those settings to mobilize to the next step. So the maternal monologues are actually a full toolkit that people can use for their community. Based upon what I hear you sharing, they can actually access this toolkit and share stories of different partners across their community, some virtual, some maybe in person. What settings are the maternal monologues designed for? Yeah. So again, anywhere. So a community looks different in different spaces, right? You can have um, a local community in terms of like geographic location, or you could have a school community. So I think the maternal monologues are great for the educational setting as well. So thinking about like our future healthcare providers and birth workers to have these types of conversations in those settings to be really useful. A community could be a church community, any virtual community as well. So really anywhere. It's, it's useful in any space um, to, to start these conversations so that people can think about um, how they are in relationship to others and how those connections can, can spur more action. And so that's really one of our major hopes with Maternal Monologues is that through these co community conversations, 
people will be connected with other folks who have an interest in this work, other people who are already doing this work so that we can kind of pull people together to have more of a community approach to addressing these issues. And how is it helpful for people who work in the clinical environment? That's a great question. I think that this is going to be so useful for people in the clinical setting, because again, I think um, having worked in clinical spaces myself in the past, I know that it tends to be very numbers driven, right? And so again, as we talked about earlier, it's easier to kind of um, to pull yourself out of the story when you're just looking at the numbers. And so having clinicians be a part of these conversations is really important because it puts a face to the numbers. And even for for people who work face-to-face with patients, the maternal monologues gives a a broader breadth of that person's experience. Because we know with the way that our medical system is set up, oftentimes providers only get a short amount of time with their patients or with their clients, right? And so you don't oftentimes get the, the full background story, the fullness of their lives besides what they're in front of you to talk about for today. And so I think that this will help bring some of the, the personalized um, approach and the humanity back to remembering when you are in that clinical setting that this is more than a body, this is more than a patient, this is, this is a life right? Who is connected to other people who love them and care for them and need you to help them get through this process, right? And so um, some of the guidance in the maternal monologues toolkit for clinicians when they are a part of a maternal monologues conversation is to kind of take off your work hat and listen. Because I think oftentimes when, when we come to conversations and we have a work background in that space, we kind of tend to go into, okay, let me also like use my, my experience to educate people in this space. Right. And so in the toolkit, we give some guidance to clinicians to take off your work hat and just listen. Right. And, and this is a learning experience for you to hear, you know, from your experience, when you go to work, you do X, Y, and Z. And that's driven by all these other things that your clients and your patients aren't necessarily privy to as well, right? Like we talked about how long you get to talk to folks and things like that. Like there there are reasons behind why office visits tend to be so short. And it's not that all doctors don't want to have more time with their patients, but they're things that drive that, right? And so take off your, your work hat and listen to how how you or others in your in your line of work show up translates to the person who's on the other side of that, right? To to the patients, how they experience that. And then all of the fullness, as I mentioned earlier, all the fullness of their life outside of just that office visit, just that time in the delivery room. So so that is part of the guidance as well. So I think that that is going to be one of the, the major um, benefits of, again, bringing people from all these different sectors together to have a conversation. So I think it'll be helpful from that perspective to, to again, see, see the fullness of a person and understand how they experience um, the way that you interact as a clinician in those moments. Thank you. And so what, as you think about the story, some examples of stories that you may have heard within the maternal monologues and and uh, from different perspectives, folks in the clinical environment, again, like you said, may not have a lot of time to hear these stories within those settings. What are some examples of what it tells workers, these workers that they may not know? I'm thinking about stories of women and birthing people who are trying to avoid cesarean or don't want to 
um, try some of the interventions that may be suggested by medical professionals, right? And so um, there are cases when the medical professionals get frustrated with patients when they push back or ask a lot of questions about things. And so some of the stories that I've heard is that it's not that they're against the doctor's suggestions or orders. They want to understand what's happening because for a lot of people, they want to avoid a cesarean at all costs because they know that the risk for adverse events increases with uh, with cesareans. So to hear that it's not that a person or patient is being difficult, but that they're afraid, right? And they just want you to take the time to explain to them so that they can feel confident that they're making the best decision for themselves and that they're, again, not a number to a doctor or a hospital, but that they are being cared for and informed. And so that's something that um, that I, I, I pull from some of the stories that I've heard, um, just because that can definitely change the dynamic between the patient and the provider. And you don't want to have that be a, a tug of war or something that's a negative experience. So I think that people who work in that space to answer your question, that's um, something that they might glean from hearing the stories, the the why behind how a person shows up in your office or um, in your in your hospital room. So we spoke a little bit at the top of the uh, podcast about the importance of storytelling as a part of uh, qualitative data. And uh, there are some folks who might who are listening who might be a part of maternal mortality review committees or they might serve in some strategic planning way around um, pregnancy risk and assessing that. I'm wondering what your thoughts are about the use of storytelling with qualitative data. So can you talk a little bit about how these stories might be used for that? I do want to be clear that we didn't develop maternal monologues with research in mind necessarily. We really wanted it to be a tool for communities to pick up and use and, and tell their stories. Like there may not be anything written or recorded at any time, depending on how a community intends to use it. But I will say that I think that it's tremendously useful for stories to be used in research, to, to tell the story of what's driving the numbers. And so I think that perhaps with some tweaking, maternal monologues could be used in the research setting, it would, you know, you would need to fo- follow the pr- appropriate protocols for that. But I do think that it could be um, a springboard for, for that type of research. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us about the maternal monologues as a toolkit? Yeah, so we're really excited to see how communities pick this up. And again, that's something that's unique about this toolkit. It's not a step-by-step in terms of you have to do it this way, right? So each community can pick it up and use it in a way that makes sense for their space. And another thing uh, that we have space for in the toolkit, we have an example of more of a creative take on a monologue where it's kind of more of a um, like a dramatization, if you will. So it doesn't have to be your traditional this is my story. As I mentioned earlier, you can share someone else's story. You can you can share the story of a person who is no longer here to tell their own story, right? What you're saying sparked a lot of thoughts for me that people can really use it any way they want to use it, right? So absolutely, tell a story about maternal health or mater- anything to do with maternal health in their community, they have a toolkit that they can access. It sounded a little bit like you were saying that there's some role playing. Can you say a little bit more about that? Sure, there could be. So um, there's an example of a, a creative take on a monologue called I Am a Witty Mother. And that is, um, 
at the end of the toolkit in the resources section. And it's it's more of a, a monologue that you would think about in like a dramatic space, right? So it's, it's called a choreo poem. Um, and so that's what it is. So it comes across in a, in a more creative, dramatic way. And so that might work better in, in some spaces than others. So really we want people to, the monologues is, is open to however you interpret that. The, the main point is that it is telling the story and it's elevating these stories related to maternal health to spark these conversations about what we can do about it um, and how to move forward to addressing this maternal health crisis. It sounds a little bit like the spoken word. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, there are lots of unique ways that people can use the uh, maternal uh, monologues toolkit. How can people access the toolkit? So you'll find it on our homepage at www.aimcci.org. And what will come up first is some beautiful digital artwork uh, created by uh, one of our colleagues' daughters. Actually, um, her name is Gabriella. So that is there. And then if you scroll down a little bit more, you will actually see some video snippets from the story of the woman who actually inspired the creation of Maternal Monologues. So I mentioned earlier, our program manager, Karen Schutz, her sister has shared her story and she was so generous with it. And um, you'll see it's a three-part video there. And then when you scroll down further, you will see uh, where you can enter your contact details and then download the toolkit. Does someone have to be a part of an organization to access the toolkit or to use it in their community? Can you share a little bit about who you're looking for to connect the toolkit to? Thanks for that question. Absolutely not. So as I mentioned, the woman who inspired the development of this toolkit, she was a lone person who wanted to start this conversation in her community. And so we developed this um, in the spirit of her wanting to have a community conversation. So no, you can be one person on your own who picks this up and brings it to your community, or you can be an organization or a small group who, who wants to, to use this. Thank you, Valerie, for taking time to join us to share your experiences. And thank you all for listening. For more podcasts, videos, blogs, and maternal health content, visit the Maternal Health Learning and Innovation Center website at maternalhealthlearning.org. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear more of, review our podcast, and share with like-minded innovators. We've got some great episodes recording now. Be sure you are subscribed. Let's keep talking. Tag us in your posts using hashtag maternalhealthinnovation. I'm Dietrich Epps, and we'll see you again next week on Maternal Health Innovation Podcast. This project is supported by the Health Resources and Service Administration, HRSA, of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS, under grant number U7CMC33636, State Maternal Health Innovation Support and Implementation Program Cooperative Agreement. This information or content and conclusions are those of the author and should not be construed as the official position or policy nor should any endorsements be inferred by HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government.